Join us for a night of fine dining and entertainment as we announce the 2022 40 Under 40 winners. Running since 2002, the 40 Under 40 Awards program continues to recognise 40 of the state's leading entrepreneurs, innovators and future business leaders under the age of 40. Help us celebrate the exceptional young business achievers that are defining the future of our great state. Tickets available now at businessnews.com.au slash events. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business, a daily podcast hosted by Business News. With Kath Hart moving from the Housing Industry Association to the Real Estate Institute of Western Australia, today's senior journalist Claire Tyrrell sits down with our close of business to give insight into her recent discussion with Kath and her thoughts on advocacy, the COVID-19 pandemic and what lies ahead in the property market. But first, here's the news you need to know today. Leichhardt Industrial's $280 million solar salt project in the Pilbara has received a major boost, with Melbourne's billionaire Smorgan family buying a 20% stake in the project. Victor Smorgan Group, via its investment house VBS Investment, has purchased the stake in Leichhardt's Eremura project, which is expected to produce 4.2 million tonnes of concentrated salt annually at its 14,300 hectare site southwest of Caratha. VBS facilitates the investments of the group, founded by the late industrial entrepreneur Victor Smorgan. Leichhardt Chief Executive Nathan Douglas said the backing had added impetus to the development of the project, which comprises crystallizer ponds and processing and desalination facilities. The project was awarded lead agency status by the state government back in 2020 and is currently the subject of a bankable feasibility study and a public environmental review by the EPA. The project is expected to create more than 200 jobs during construction and draw more than 130 residential operational employees once it is fully up and running. Mr Douglas said a revised capital estimate forecast was due to be delivered later this year with a final investment decision expected for late 2023. First harvest is now due in the first quarter of 2026 with the first loaded vessel on track for 2027. And the state government has announced plans to end its three-month-long indoor mask mandate from Friday amid mounting pressure from the opposition as well as the state's business community. In a press conference this afternoon, Health Minister Amber Jade Sanderson announced the state would return to baseline COVID health measures, including the removal of the remaining Level 1 capacity restrictions in place for hospitality venues, major events and community sport, as well as the removal of the indoor mask mandate from 12.01am this Friday, April 29. Masks, however, will still need to be worn by those aged 12 and over in healthcare facilities, aged care homes, airports, on public transport and in taxi and rideshare vehicles. The state's border rules will also be eased with the removal of the current G2G requirements and proof of vaccination for interstate travellers. While workplace vaccine mandates will remain, they will be removed for entry to public venues and businesses. Close contacts who are not symptomatic will no longer be required to isolate. Ms Sanderson said the decision was made based on new health advice, which was presented during this morning's meeting of the state's Emergency Management Committee and was only made possible through the high vaccination
inflation rate. The announcement was welcomed by industry groups this afternoon, with Property Council WA Executive Director Sandra Brewer saying it sent a strong message that it was safe to attend workplaces, hospitality venues, entertainment and retail options in Perth's CBD. WA recorded another 6,711 new COVID cases and eight deaths overnight, with hospitalisations and intensive care admissions remaining steady. WA Health confirmed a man in his 80s with COVID-19 had died in the past 24 hours. Today's figures included seven historical deaths. There are now 249 COVID-positive patients in hospitals across WA, 11 of whom are being treated in ICU. The new infections bring the total number of active cases across the state to 44,305. And mineral resources shares have nosedived as iron ore miners headed lower and the company announced it would issue up to $1 billion US dollars in unsecured notes to institutional buyers. The iron ore outfit informed the market this morning that it intended to offer up an aggregate $1 billion US dollars, the equivalent of $1.7 billion Australian dollars of unsecured notes due in 2027 and 2030. Cash proceeds from the offering would be used for general corporate purposes, including capital expenditure. That comes as the company moves forward on a series of big projects, including a $2.5 billion West Pilbara development, which will ship iron ore through Ashburton. The announcement comes just days after Minres released its quarterly exploration and activities report, which confirmed the miner was on track to meet its full-year iron ore production guidance of 275 million tonnes to 290 million tonnes. Mineral resources shares were down 10.2% this afternoon to trade at $54.51. We'll be right back. You have a thought. Most people ignore that thought. End story here. Or you could explore it, collaborate, feel welcome, find a quiet spot, find a loud spot, find your own spot. Be you. Oh. Form your own opinion. Get inspired by moments around you. Plan to make your plans come to life. And then change the whole world. Or some of the world. Or just your world. So don't ignore that thought. This is free thinking. When I think of property here in Western Australia, and specifically when I think of industry groups, I invariably always think of Kath Hart. She's a very prominent person uh, on the advocacy side in the property sector. And for our latest edition, Claire, you went to her beautiful home in the Western suburbs, did you not, to have a conversation with her? Yes, Jordan. I spoke to Kath Hart about how she's going to switch from the H- from HIA, the Housing Industry Association of WA, where she's been executive director for several years. She's switching to the Real Estate Institute of WA. So similar industry, mm. uh, different kind of segment of the of the market. Uh, she was telling me that her members at HIA teased her that she's uh, going into the second-hand homes markets um, as opposed to staying with them in the new homes market. Very interesting chat I had with her about um, why she's making that move and then her experiences at HIA as well, particularly at, at the moment with the uh, issues facing the residential construction sector. It's an interesting role that she's moved into there. And as you say, it's a bit bit different, I guess, a different aspect of the property market. I think what I found most interesting was that given I, I connect her so often with the, again, as I say, the property sector here in WA, it seems as if property has always been a really integral part of her life, has it not? 
Yes. Uh, speaking to Kath, I actually found out a bit about her upbringing, which is always really interesting when you speak to these leaders in the industry. Where do they come from? You know, uh, she grew up in far north Queensland, and both her parents were in the real estate sector. So, her dad was a real estate agent. Her mother worked with the Real Estate Institute of Queensland. They had their own business at one point. Um, she gave me a nice little anecdote about how they'd be out having a you know, a picnic lunch and her dad would be off to the side marking out subdivisions. So. A hot chicken picnic. I've never heard that phrase before. So. Me neither. I thought it might have been a Queensland thing, but I thought I'd leave it in there because it's a nice little anecdote. And perhaps unsurprisingly, she sees investment as a key driver in the property sector, does she not? Yeah, so she's talked about there being a real need for um, people to be willing to have houses and not live in them. Mm. Uh, so the investment market, which people talk about a lot, which is pretty tight at the moment, they speak about the rental vacancies being, I think, around 0.7%, which is not ideal. When you speak to people in the property industry, they say a normal good amount would be 2.5% vacancy. So you want a higher level of vacancy than what we've got now. And unsurprisingly, the pandemic appeared to be a, a big part of the conversation you had with her. Yeah, so I was interested to know what it was like at HIA during COVID. I wanted her to recall the conversations in the room and how they lobbied for that government money, because they did. We talk about, when you talk about the building sector right now, you often talk about the federal and state government stimulus kind of in the same sentence, and HIA were big advocates in lobbying for that money. Um, and... She spoke about it being like uh, drinking from the fire hydrant, uh, going from historic lows to historic highs overnight in terms of housing start. And of course, they did lobby for uh, the government support, but it seems as if, based on the articles that I'm reading nowadays, it seems almost as if there's too much of a good thing going around at the moment. And she touched upon that as well, did she not? Yeah, uh, she said that she would always be a supporter of the stimulus. But when mm. you talk to people in the industry, some of them say it was it was overkill, mm. it was unnecessary. Um, because WA's economy didn't drop like people thought it would during COVID. It's actually still been pretty strong. Uh, but she reminded me and, and everybody that, you know, times were pretty tough. Uh, the sector was coming off a five-year low going into into COVID. It was starting to rebound itself, but, you know, there was a lot of fear out there. And it's an interesting evolution as well for Kath Hart because in her previous life, she may have been sat where you're sat right now, would she not? Yes, Jordan. She was actually a journalist, which I found fascinating. Uh, you know, the, the career path that a journalist could potentially take. Uh, she started uh, her journalism career at the Courier Mail uh, in the early 2000s, and then she worked uh, with, with The Australian for about five years. Um, from there, she moved to the Chamber of Commerce and Industry, and that's where she realised that she was really passionate about advocacy and representing business and uh you know, she has a real respect for people that, as, as she put it, have a crack, take a risk, create wealth, create jobs. Um, and that's where she decided that she wanted to move more towards that advocacy work. And she's still doing that now. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to her being a talking head in the property section for what I anticipate will be many years yet to come. Claire, thanks so much. Thank you. Stay on top of the latest news stories that are impacting your business, industry or sector. The New Look Business News app gives subscribers breaking news alerts, access to e-editions, articles by category, as well as our advanced data and insights search function to find projects, people and companies. 
It's your mobile portal to the latest intelligence on commerce, politics and industry, wherever you are. Stay informed at critical times and download today. Visit businessnews.com.au slash app, download on the App Store or get it on Google Play now. This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium, now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. If you like what you've heard, head to our Spotify page to like and subscribe. New episodes of At Close of Business are available every day in time for our afternoon wrap. I'm Jordan Murray. See you tomorrow.